afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Jim, a popular topic over the last maybe close to a week. I don't know when the actual interview aired. I didn't hear the whole thing. I only heard clips. But many people have sent this in. Tony Khan was recently on a satellite radio show hosted by Bubba Ray Dudley or Ooh, Buddy yes. Ray Dudley. I don't know what his name is now, but did you hear these clips? He's, he, he'll always be Bubba Ray to me. Yes, I heard these clips that were, that were broadcast through the Twitterverse. In the clips that I received, and I'm assuming the same ones you received, Bubba, or Buddy, is questioning Tony Khan about the referees in AEW. And in what I thought was a pretty nice way, pointed to the guy who's the most egregious example <laughs> to anyone, said, well, let's take Rick Knox, for instance. Well, no, well, no, hold on a second now. Before <laughs> he even got there, before he even got to mentioning any names, to, to fingering anybody, to mentioning anybody's names, to dropping a dime on anybody, he asked, in, uh, Bubba did, in a lot, a lot more professional and polite way than I would have. He's got the New Jersey accent, so he does come across a little bit huffy sometimes, but he, it wasn't like me. He said, hey, idiot, what the fuck, right? It was a respectful and polite question. You, you said at the start of this, rules, sports-based presentation, wins and losses were going to matter, rules were going to be, the, the, the presentation that you gave us, do you not think that there is any problem with the refereeing in the, and he automatically, Tony Khan jumps in. No, I don't No, no, no. You know, and he started feeding on something that Bubba had said in his preamble. Bubba had said in talking about the things they'd been promised, more sports-based rules, uh, wins and losses. Bubba tried to mention that they'd had for a while there. Remember, for about three, four weeks, they made a big deal out of tag teams have a 10 count to break instead of five. Do you remember? Do you remember that, Brian? I think it was right around the time when FTR was getting. Yeah, used. yeah. They yeah. brought that up for like four weeks and then fuck it, that's gone. Bubba conflated that with the count out of the ring. And he just, he misspoke and he said, well, you got a 20 count out of the ring. And, Tony Khan jumps in, no, we don't have any uh, problem with the referees. And no, and, and you're talking, that's a New Japan thing. New Japan has a 20 count. We don't have a 20 count. And we never bump the referees. And he, we never. He jumped all over the 20 count thing. Yes. To avoid everything else that he was being called out on. He so couldn't then, handle that pressure. So then Bubba reeled it back and said, okay, uh, not about the count, but don't you think with the refereeing that you see an issue when guys are allowed to do anything? And that's when he brought up Rick Knox. And once again, the Dudleys had their share of wild and crazy matches. And they were disciples of ECW, for heaven's sake. So it's not like we're wanting to go back to the fucking, uh, the, you know, wrestling equivalent of the Marcus of Queensberry rules. It's not like this is, has to be overly technical. He just, for the psychology, he said, for the psychology of the match, for the, doesn't it seem the referee should have some uh, authority? And he mentioned Rick Knox, and he said in the Young Bucks matches. And then Tony Khan flips out again. He's like, well, well, we don't bump the referees. And 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 also, you know, I, when the Bucks wrestled so-and-so and so-and-so, and the Bucks wrestled so-and-so, I, I don't remember anybody complaining about the 10 count, but okay, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm here to, uh, I'm here to talk about some more important things now. 
fucking defensive. His butthole puckered up instantly as soon as somebody mentioned another experienced industry veteran mentioned even one of the well i they might say it's minor problem i think it's bigger but a minor issue not like oh my god you just showed the crash pads on national television but hey couldn't your referees have a bit more of a fucking less limp dick than they do and he fucking goes ballistic and who was some wise wrestling sage said to me at some point that Tony Khan has convinced himself that he is the booker of the year and nobody's going to talk him out of it. That's right. And, but again, when it wasn't even confrontational and it wasn't in a jousting situation and Tony Khan's not trying to be a heel. And I assume Bubba's not trying to be a, he's just coming off like, like one Tony Khan. And I assume Bubba's not trying to be a heel on his own program asking a polite question. I've never heard him sound as reasonable as he did there yeah. in 25 fucking years. I've oh, never yes. heard him that reasonable. But the Booker of the Year won't hear about it. Anything that might be wrong that a lot of people are talking about, he just can't hear it. And it's embarrassing the way that he can. And, and again, not only did he... Dodge, he managed to dodge the subject or dodge the question, not answer the question, give a phony answer to the question, come off bad sounding when he did it, and then pivot to telling Bubba Ray that what he had just went, wanted to talk about wasn't important, and I'm going to plug my show now because I'm a brilliant booker. All in like a two and a half minute span of time. It was amazing. And he says he's never heard these complaints before about Rick Knox. <laughs> Give me a break. I know for a fact you hear him twice a week. On these shows. On your favorite podcast. Yes. You idiot. Oh, idiot. Idiot. How defensive was he and pissy? And as soon as you question him, you see what Jacksonville Jaguar fans have seen. You see what Fulham soccer fans or football fans have seen. A guy who can't take this because he's not built for this. He's built to cash his dad's checks, but he's not built to run a serious organization and have to answer for the problems there. He can't take it. He can't take any criticism. Hey, he's built for looks, not for speed. That was embarrassing. I thought that appearance <laughs> with him was embarrassing. It was pretty good because you could have even bullshitted your way through uh, just to say, well, you know, I actually, I think that we are going to try to make sure that our referees follow the example of Aubrey, for, for example, that's uh, so so authoritative. And uh, we're going to have to try to uh, invest a little time in getting them to uh, try to crack their whips a little bit or some bullshit, right? To acknowledge that, yes, you're running a bunch of fucking amateur matches where everybody just runs around like goddamn Chinese fire drill and fucking everybody's head's on fire. And nobody does anything about it. It's why the matches don't register with people. With, with, with whatever the fans are looking for that defend this shit to the heavens, it registers with them because I guess America's got talent. The tumbling acts are not enough. They want to see it on a regular basis. But for the vast majority of people who are not currently watching the program, it, they don't register because there's everything can happen at any point, which means there's no way to cheat. There's no way to get upset at anything. And the only time that anybody stays down from something 
is when they really fucking hurt themselves. And while the referees are standing there going, well, there's no rules to this because it's wrestling. I'll just wave my arms. So, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't see that. No problems there, Brian. No problems handling the wrestling press when they're kissing your ass or asking you softball questions or things you want to talk about. But AEW and Tony Khan specifically have really done a bad job, I think, with the press the last several months. I mean, even after the the botched explosion, remember, it was never, we're never going to let that happen again. Yeah, yeah. We're going to improve things. It was, oh, Kenny's plan didn't work. Yeah. What? You idiot? There's no way you're going to handle all, this? After all these years, now you want to be able to take the easy out and blame the heel. Lazy booking. Well, let's get away from little Mr. Khan. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 265 of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you have a wonderful week so far. As yours truly, the nefarious brother Adam. You can follow me at Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to hit me up as well on Instagram if you like, at Josh Lopez94, at Josh Lopez Music. Welcome to the podcast, everybody, this week. If this is your first time listening to the show, we appreciate it. It comes to you free charge every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast from. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast right now, especially subscribe to our YouTube uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Who's Podcast. Make sure to hit that bell button and it, uh, it'll notify you each and every single time uh, the Who's Podcast comes on live or we upload a new uh, video. Uh, make sure to subscribe as well on YouTube. My name's Joshi. Uh, you, like I mentioned my uh, social media earlier. I'm chilling here in my good brother's studio in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we're just coming off the heels of the 4th of July. Uh, I've had a lot of uh, relatives had birthdays <laughs> this week. Uh, my uncle Dito, my Beatty Lucy, uh, Aunt, Aunt Kim, Carrie, uh there's a lot of birthdays going on. Uncle Vito as well, so I want to send a couple birthday shots to those within my family. Uh, so I want to get that out of the way. Um, make sure, folks, uh, to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Repeat, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. I got an email today that I'm going to have a renewal of my copyright claim uh, for the trademark of uh, Pro Wrestling Transcriptions, which is pretty cool. I'm very happy and grateful for what this website has done for me personally uh, and professionally. Uh, the fact that it got me to the point where I can work from home now and my my main job is co- uh, covering professional wrestling. So for those who are not familiar to the podcast, I've been working in the wrestling media, if you will, for the last uh, eight years. I am a media member. I did go to broadcasting school. I did get my um, license to be a professional broadcaster thanks to the Illinois Media School. And um, over the last eight years, I really uh, carved a niche for myself to uh, make you transcripts for all your favorite wrestling shows. So it's not your standard result, uh, result like articles where it's copy and paste from other websites. I do all the transcriptions on my own on my own format and, you know, type down all the sequences and stuff like that and promos here there sometimes. Um, I do have discretion as the guy making the transfers, whether I wanted to transcribe a promo. Sometimes, you know, doing, typing out a promo with eight people in the ring talking is kind of defeats the purpose. You can just watch it for yourself. 
and they're all cutting off, cutting each other off. Uh, if, <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want one full page of my website just be a promo, and then here's the rest of it. Like, <laughs> gotta have some balance in between. But I have ProWrestlingTransfusions.com. Uh, this is my website. I've been doing it for four years now. I used to work for WrestleZone. I used to work for uh, Between the Ropes. Um, for those who Remember Brian Fritz of the Between the Roads podcast. He had um, a lot of work he did in the Orlando Sentinel as well. I um, always appreciated Brian and what he did for me in my early stages of my career. So I want to give a shout out to him and uh, Michael Weisman and C. Buhausen. Those three guys really got my start here when it comes to writing and covering professional wrestling the right way. So I want to give a shout out to those three guys because they really helped me out over the lot over the last couple of years. So. Um, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, this show is very different from your standard professional wrestling podcast. We talk about a lot of different things outside of professional wrestling, about life, about about sports, relationships, mental health. Uh, there's something that's off topic because off topics off the show, because for me, I'm not a person that lives or moves at the pace of people's thoughts or anything like that. I, I move at my own I'm moving my own two feet, you know. I can be for myself. I don't have a filter, and I speak for my mind. And um, <laughs> it's gonna be funny with the title of this week's podcast is, uh, you know, I may just cause road rage, and we have our "What the hell is wrong with AEW" segment later on in the podcast. <laughs> And we'll review AEW Road Rangers. So um, if you're an AEW fan, this is probably not going to be an enjoyable experience for you later on. But uh, for those who get the gist of the segment, you'll appreciate it this week. Anyways, um, let's get these started, right? Let's get into the Good Brothers Q&A and Wisdom session. Uh, the Wisdom part this week, uh, the topic is uh, about texting and some people's over-reliance on it uh, when it comes to friendships and relationships. And I'm going to talk about the cons and the things that could cause things to go spiraling out of control when you have to rely on text instead of having general communication like this, you know. Um, for those who know me personally, I'm really reserved in private for many reasons. But um, when I say something, I mean it. And I... I think before I speak, I try to apply some context and substance to the things that I say and not just spew shit out of my mouth, just to spew shit out of my mouth. You know, I'm right to the cut, uh, no BS, and I, I, that, that's the fun part about doing the show and doing this segment because, you know, um, it's good to for the listener to learn something from each show you're listening to. And I, I try my best to provide some good life lessons and things to make sure you avoid some traps, avoid some wasted energy, avoid bad energy. And that's the purpose of why I do that in between the segment. But we got the Good Brothers Q&A session. And uh, basically, I have my good friends, good brothers, good sisters who send questions to, this, uh, to the, the podcast each week, whether it's on Twitter or the Who's Podcast at gmail.com, or even here on Facebook. And um, I answer your questions, and um, it's a mixture of things. We get sports questions, we get real-life questions, we get wrestling questions. So uh, let's get into the Good Brothers Q&A session. And we're going to start off 
with a good, good brother of mine, Anthony DeStefano at Game of Ants. Um, you guys know Ant from Rant with Ant Days, uh, my good brother. I miss you, my man. Hope you're doing well. He says, where will Tessa Blanchard end up? Controversy aside, she is a top three women's wrestler in the world. Um, as far as her being a top three women's wrestler in the world, I don't disagree with that. If anything, I would say Tessa Blanchard's in a, a top 10 wrestler in the world, not just women's wrestler. Um, that's a good question, man. Um, Tessa Blanchard's been kind of the uh, persona non grata list over the last year and a half or so since she left Impact Wrestling. It's a good question. I mean, she could go to any promotion, and I think she would do a good job. Part of me would like to see her go back to Impact and have that match with Deanna Peraza just to see who really is the best. Uh, that's just from my point of view. But uh, for me, I think right now she would probably go to AEW. Um, AEW's trying to do a better job uh, showcasing their women, but they don't have uh, enough stars to satiate that division. Britt Baker is really good at what she does. She is a marquee talent for AEW. But outside that, outside of that, who's like the real star for the women's division in AEW? I, I don't get me wrong. You know, for those who know me, I love Ty Conti and her waterfall and stuff like that. But she hasn't really got the exposure from a performance standpoint to the point where you can say, "Oh, she's a megastar. She's really good." But when we say honestly that she's a megastar. So I'd probably say Tessa Blanchard would probably go to AEW um, just from just forecasting how the field is going right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if she went to NXT. It's all up to her what she wants to do. And I heard that MLW started to implement a women's division. So that could be something to be uh, to look out for uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll have to see about that. Good question, though. I like that one, Ant. All right. Next batch of questions come from the good boy Chris Zaletta at X-Teen24X uh, on Twitter. Is there any past or current players from the division rivals that you actually like as a Bears fan? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> it's definitely not going to be anybody from the fucking Green Bay Packers, that's for sure. <laughs> Hell no. Um, you know what, Chris? I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I think... Um, <laughs> I, I'll definitely say I think like I was a big Jared Al fan. I, I always liked the way he played uh, from a defensive end uh, point of view. I, I always been a big like defensive guy uh, growing up as a kid and um, playing defense and playing football in high school. Jared Al was that dude, and um, I guess the kind of thing about other ones like you know, of course you could say Randy Moss, uh, Calvin Johnson was a beast. Um, I wouldn't say Matthew Stafford. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say Matthew Stafford. I liked Stefan Diggs to a certain extent, but there was also times he was acting like a diva too. So, not not really. I'm, it's like when it comes to the NSC North, I it, I am very territorial with that. With the fact that I am a Bears fan and I can't stand the Packers. The Detroit Lions are irrelevant, and Minnesota's Minnesota. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to pinpoint well, who who gets, who gets you excited for that division as a whole, you know? 
you have to be from the area to be really invested into the NFC North, in my opinion. Um, where do you rank the Briscoes amongst the best tag teams currently? Uh, you know, for experience and nostalgia purpose, uh, the Briscoes always be entertaining. I don't know if I put them in my top five of tag teams in the world right now because they're doing their little feud right now. But um, I, I have a lot of respect for Mark and Jay Briscoe and what they've done for the professional wrestling industry and their loyalty to Ring of Honor, everything they've done in their career. Um, do I rank them in the top five or top three of tag teams right now? Probably not from what I watch every single week. But um, they're good. I, I, I've always been a fan of the Briscoes, and they're very good at what they do. What's more likely for Adam Cole? Go to Raw or SmackDown after SummerSlam or the Royal Rumble? You know what? I'd probably say, I, for me, I think Adam Cole would be a better fit on Monday Night Raw. That's just my opinion. I think him popping up on Raw after SummerSlam would be really cool. I think Adam Cole in Monday Night Raw would be a better fit than him on SmackDown. SmackDown, where people like it or not, is Roman Reigns' show, and that's it. It's not the Sasha Banks show. It's not the Seth Rollins show, as much as I like Seth Rollins. Uh, I, I would love it to be the KL show, but right now, SmackDown is Roman Reigns' territory, and nobody's pushing them off that cliff. Nobody. And yeah, it'd be cool to have Adam Cole come in and be another different challenger for Roman Reigns. But once Roman puts him down, where does Adam Cole go from there? You know, you want to start him hot. You want to start him with uh, him being an effective player on whatever brand he's on. And I think for him, Monday Night Raw would be a better fit than SmackDown. That's just my opinion. Um, good question here. Uh, who do you think wins the NXT Breakout Tournament? I have three guys that I think could possibly win this one. Uh, obviously, the top favorite and consensus favorite right now is Carmelo Hayes. Um, he's going to have a really good showing in this tournament. I'd say definitely uh, watch out for Joe Gacy. Uh, a guy who had a lot of experience in the Indies. Uh, he had a really good match uh, last week on 205 Live against Desmond Troy. If you guys haven't watched that match, please go out of your way to go check it out. And then finally for me, um, I think the guy I'm going to pick to win the breakout tournament is Trey Baxter. I think Trey Baxter will win the NXT breakout tournament. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm curious to watch Odyssey Jones. Josh Briggs is in the tournament. And it's I like the feel that we have for the breakout tournament this year. I'll just say that. It's, we should have a lot of good and interesting matches. One of the guys looks like Nick Wright from uh, First Things First. I have to mention it out of the way. Um, and that's not a good thing because I think Nick Wright is probably the worst sports analyst out there today. God, that guy sucks. <laughs> um, anyways, next question. Thoughts on Malachi Black's appearance on AW? Uh, stay tuned to what the hell is wrong with AEW. Uh, that's the little tease right there. Who do you think appears at Impact Slammiversary pay-per-view? That's a good question. Um, does Enzo pop up and reunite with um, William Morrissey at Slammiversary? I think that'd be cool. There's been a lot of releases for the WWE, so you kind of forget who's actually out there and available. Uh, I think it'd be cool if Buddy Murphy went to Impact. Uh, I think that would be a good brand for him, to be honest with you. Um, Buddy Murphy is like part of the X Division or stuff like that. It would be 
Really, really dope. Um, I don't think Braun Strowman's going to be there. No. I guess you could say Bo Dallas. Uh, I'd definitely say Chelsea Green will be at uh, Slammiversary. Probably say they with Mickey James. I, I, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, this is showing that Samoa Joe's going to come in and uh, go after Kenny Olivier, but that didn't work out, right? <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of options you can pick out there. I mean, um, I don't know if uh, Nisa's Davari's contracts are expired by then. I don't know how. Again, I'm not a behind-the-scenes guy. I don't do the dirt sheet shit here on this podcast. So I don't know whose contracts are up when or stuff like that. I just like to say let it play out and be surprised with it instead of predicting when somebody's going to pop up. Thoughts on the possibility of Goldberg and Lashley for SummerSlam? I guess this is something that's been rumbling on Twitter too over the last couple of weeks, right? Um, I think for me... Uh, I don't know if Goldberg has something in his contract where the only way he can wrestle if, if the Universal title is on the line. I don't know if that's an exclusive deal that him and Vince have. Uh, I'm not going to throw a hissy fit. That's a match at SummerSlam. I just don't think Bobby Lashley, despite how good he's been as a WWE champion, I don't think he's going to have like a high caliber match or spotlight at SummerSlam this year. I just don't. Um, but... If it is Goldberg and Lashley, um, I'm not going to throw his face. Is this something that I want to watch or something that I'm clamoring for? No. But I think all in all, I, I'm sure to find a way to make it work out, I guess. Um, last question for Chris. He says, look at his history of tag partners. Is Kane one of the better tag team wrestlers? Um, I really like this question, Chris. Um, I think for me, I'll definitely say that Kane's uh, one of the most underrated tag team wrestlers of all time. You know, had a team with Rob Van Dam. Of course, we had Team Hell No, the Brothers of Destruction. I'll definitely say Kane is definitely one of the most underrated tag team wrestlers of all time. Um, this, again, I think, honestly, Kane is very underappreciated and undervalued. Um, uh, for what he's done in the business, for having that character, and did he reach the heights of the Undertaker? Probably not, but to have staying power like that for over twenty years for a character like that, where it could have been a flop. You know, I I, I think about things now, and I try to apply some context to it. Think about, oh, what would the reaction be if Kane debuted in this era or the Undertaker? Or Crow Sting or anybody like that. I mean, I'm kind of surprised Darby Allen gets the reaction he gets because, you know, I think a lot of wrestling fans, they live in a bubble and they have this prototypical idea of what a professional wrestler is supposed to look like or wrestle, more per se. And I, I think about it like Mankind and Kane. And all these other gimmicks from the Attitude Era. And I don't know if they would get the same respect or adulation as they did back then. You know, you know, people can tell me all they want about, oh, it's just dependent on the booking and storylines. But I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I really do. I think a lot of people uh, thrive off of 
confirmation bias these days and preconceived notions and not letting things play out from a storyline point of view. They don't apply context to the actual stories that are going on. They take what they don't like and say that doesn't make sense just because I don't like it. Well, I'll actually explain what part of it doesn't make sense. And I feel like a lot of times people watch professional wrestling and it's like they're trying to play mental gymnastics while they're trying to act like they're the smartest person in the room, dick, uh, breaking down and trying to a- analyze what's going on. Look, I don't even call myself an analyst. I don't call myself an expert. I don't call myself any of that shit. I I'm a professional broadcaster. I do cover this for an in- I do cover the industry for a living, but. I'm not going to come on here and tell you that my opinion is better than yours or stuff like that. I, I don't do that stuff on here. And I, I think for me, it's like I, I just get a chuckle out of some of these outlets and some of these podcasts where they have these guys and they're like acting like their shit don't stink. And they're the smartest guys in the room and they have all the right philosophies on how booking supposed to be done and how shows supposed to be format. Yet they've never done it before in the wrestling industry. Look... I'm I'm a person, I'm a wrestling fan just like all of you. And I know a lot of people don't agree with what I have to say about AEW. But here's the thing. I'm saying it on my own accord. I'm not saying it uh, with motives behind it like a lot of people do when they review WWE shows. Let's just be honest. And I come on here and say what I like and what I don't like. You know, you take it or leave it. I have, I have that approach because... For me, I've been doing this for almost 10 years. I've almost been doing this for a decade. And I'm, I could t- definitely say for the, a lot of the shows that have gone and come and gone, where it was video, audio, one thing has been very consistent about my show and what I do is that I speak for me. Whether you agree or disagree with what I have to say, I speak for myself. And I'm not looking for people to kiss my ass or agree with me. I'm speaking for me. I, and I don't really know whether a guy like Kane or The Undertaker would work in this era because people are throwing hissy fits about Alexa Bliss and the hocus focus stuff that she's doing. Look, I'm not saying what she's doing is great, and I've got a question about that. Now, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I format the questions to where I'm going with this, so bear with me for a couple of seconds here. But, like, I don't know if those characters would work in this era because people take wrestling so literally these days that characters that worked in the Attitude Era or before then would not work now. They just wouldn't. Uh, next batch of questions comes from my good buddy, uh, Patrick Fritz, the original OG supporter of the Hoots Podcast. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at RatedPWF. Um, I was mentioning Alexa Bliss because that was the next question that was uh, part of this list here. <laughs> he says... Thoughts on the Bliss angle right now and what's the payoff? Uh, my thoughts on the Bliss stuff right now is that I'm indifferent to it. It's not something that I get personally offended by or taken aback from. I like seeing her on television, obviously. Uh, I think she cuts good promos. Um, I don't know what the end game is here. I, I think for me... I have a couple ideas of maybe something that would work as far as a, a payoff with it. It's you could get Alexa Bliss back to a normal state of mind. But I think for me, if um, I guess for me, I think the way I would have the payoff would be to have Nikki Cross 
beat Alexa Bliss in a big match and ha- build it up. Like, have them get into a feud with each other. Because this is where it all started in that pandemic era where Alexa and Nikki were kind of at odds with each other. Then The Fiend got implemented. You know, The Fiend brought Bliss down that rabbit hole. Bliss turned on... Um, turn on the fiend at WrestleMania. Nikki is now portrayed to be almost a superhero. We have seen Bray on television. I think a payoff here, guys. This is just my opinion and what I would do. I don't know if you guys would like this or not, but I would do a double turn where Alexa Bliss is back to normal and Nikki Cross not is doing fiend stuff, but she's a heel where she's trying to play off like she is like a comic book hero, but she allies herself with the fiend. I do think a double switch would be good for both ladies, but also this is it's dependent on how Nikki Cross does with the superhero gimmick. I I haven't hated it. I think it's been decent so far from what I've seen, but. I think for me, like a double switch or a double turn would be good because um, I, I just think it would be a good, good concept. But also, you know, you could have Nikki Cross be the person that gets Alexa Bliss back to the normal state of mind as a superhero, you know? Where she conquers the evil Alexa Bliss and, you, you know, good versus bad. Um, I don't know, like, how geeky you want to get with this but I, that's just my that's just my idea you know he says here side out thank you for referring Piper, uh, Piper Niven as such he says he hates her forced name I don't know <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of like buzzwords that we get uh, tied up sometimes with wrestling I, I don't think it's Force. <laughs> I don't think Dewdrop is something that is interesting, but I don't want to say it's forced, but to each his own. Um, why do you think the E is having so much backstage promo segments lately? That's a good question. I, I, I this is a little little teaser for what happened this week in WWE, but like I noticed this week that the format was like, okay, we're on cruise control till uh, July sixteenth. Uh, they're all in on this getting off to that show with fans in um, Houston on the 16th. And after that, we'll see where things go. But there has been a lot of backstage segments. Uh, there's a lot of backstage segments on NXT as well. I I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, it, I don't know why the outside of the ring stuff always has to be in the backstage area. That's the thing too. You can do stuff outside of the ring as well. But, um, yeah, there's been, like, a lot of empty backstage promo segments just leading up to the next match. Um, That's the thing. You have a guy like Kevin Dunn, who's been the producer and director of this show for the last 30-something years or so. And (laughs) this is what he wants. You know, people could just go off on this Meek Mahan and Bruce Pritchard all they want, but... Kev Dunn deserves as much flack as those two guys get. Um, next question. Where do Riddle and Randy Orton go when the latter returns? Um, I think Randy Orton and Riddle will beat AJ Styles and Omos at um, SummerSlam for the Raw Tag Team titles. That would be my prediction. Yeah.
No. <laughs> That's a shout out from Brother Carter. Um, all right. Thank you, Pat, for your question. I really like those. Um, here we go. Last batch of questions this week comes from Nate the Great at Psycho Nagiri. I'm going to take a quick swig of water. Would you like to see any more character development from MSK? Um, I think we, I got this question last week a little bit about um, MSK. I guess I'm getting the drift that you don't like their uh, shtick so far. Nate, I could be wrong. Let me know. Um, I like MSK for what they do in the ring. I've liked what they do. They've been great athletes for a while. I like what they do in the ring. I enjoyed their work with Impact. But... From a character standpoint, it's kind of like the New Day, what they've been doing recently, where they're like passive-aggressive heels, being snarky, um, but they get away with it because they do cool moves and stuff, but um, I just like to get a little bit more to the root of who they actually are, where, you know, <laughs> it's okay sometimes they have performers who are shade, shades of gray, but you need to have the right people to have that come off the screen you can't have a tag team pretend they're baby faces in the ring doing their moves and then when they're cutting their promos they sound like heels so i i would like to see more character development i'd just like to have more of like a sit-down interview let's say like way barrett has a sit-down interview with um msk and he could ask questions about why fans in the uh cwc are booing them and what's their true intentions and stuff like that. Uh, you just don't want a condescending two-faced two vibe as performers. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not taking digs at Nash Carter or Wesley as people or anything like that. Uh, but from a character development standpoint, I need to know more of a personal... Uh, I need a more of a personal investment in reasoning behind their pushes and stuff like that. So... Um, I like what they do in the ring, and I like that they have kind of like a second gear in the ring uh, with the Great American Bash. We'll get to that in a couple minutes, but um, I'd like to see a little bit more just for background. I need more background MSK is what I'm trying to say. Do you think we see Kishida versus Roderick Strong at the next TakeOver? Would you like to see it? Uh, Yes and yes. (laughs) Quick answer to that question. Yes and yes. I think that would be awesome. Uh, was it dumber or for the better they wrote Shelton and Cedric out of the herd business and into obscurity? Um, you know, I, I can understand maybe for some people's frustration that they removed the herd business. I the herd business didn't go anywhere. Bobby Lashley and MVP are still together. They started the herd business way before Cedric and Shelton joined the group. Uh, I think people tend to forget that. Um, I didn't think it was done, but it's also something that I didn't think needed to happen either. Um, you know, getting to hear Cedric's promos towards Jeff Hardy, especially that one promo on the Raw like a month and a half ago where it was going on and on and on. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care how bad a script is. You have an opportunity on worldwide television to make a name for yourself and make it better and make it at least interesting, and you're not capitalizing on that and not capitalizing on your TV time. You know, it's cool that you do a handspring insecurity and a a pop-up 
mug blower as your finish, but like outside of that, what is there to you, Cedric Alexander, besides your annoying screeching voice? <laughs> um, you know, I think the worst part about it is having Shelton out of the screen, you know, having seeing him running around for the 24-7 title was a little disheartening, but I for me, I, I kinda like 50-50. I'm not saying that I don't care that they're not in the hurt business, but the hurt business was not dependent on whether Shelton or Cedric were in the group. Bobby Lashley still your almighty WWE champion and MVP still killing it. Those are those those two are the hurt business. Um ain't chance edge wins at Money the Bank. Nope. I don't. Um it, it's gonna be predictable, but I, I loved Edge's promo and from SmackDown this weekend. I'm really excited for his match with Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. But I don't think there is a chance that Edge wins at Money in the Bank. I don't. Would you like to see what would you like to see out of Tegan Knox return? Uh, I'd just like to get finally the opportunity to invest into her character, what she wants to do on the brand. You know, I think that's the biggest thing for me. I think that uh, Tegan Knox is very good in the ring and what she does, and a uh, very beautiful woman as well. And I'm happy to see that she came back at Great American Bash, but I just want to see more of her. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, once I start trying to get invested in her character, she gets out with an injury, and it sucks. I just wish she had better luck with a case of the injury, so that's the biggest thing. Um... Is Hit Row the best faction in NXT? I believe they are. I really do. Um, they have a really good thing going right now. And I'm very curious to see where they go for the future right now. But definitely, if, at least for the groups that are in NXT right now, um, Hit, Hit Row is the best, in my opinion. So, I want to thank Ant. I want to thank Chris. I want to thank Pat. And I want to thank Nate. For um, sending the questions this week, boys. I really appreciate it. And then for the wisdom part of the Q&A session this week. Uh, uh, what? 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 <laughs> the wisdom session this week. Folks, I'm going to make this short and brief. Texting. Texting. There is good and bad with it. Yes, you can text somebody if you want to get quick, brief interaction and, you know, trying to link up with somebody to hang out. That's what I use texting for. I don't think texting is a place to get to know someone. I don't think texting is a place to uh, lay uh, build in a layer of what your relationships or friendships are because uh, if you can't have general communication, if you can't look me in the eye... And tell me what you need to say if you're afraid to hurt my feelings. I, I just feel like texting, especially in relationships and friendships, is a a platform to hide. It's a platform to put walls up. And I just don't believe in disingenuous uh, communication. I don't. If you can't look me in the eye, if we have issues, you have all the technology in the world to do a FaceTime, to do a, a conversation on the Facebook Messenger or hit somebody up on Skype. 
you have many ways to talk your issues out with your partner, your friend. I don't care if you're in a long-distance relationship. I don't care if you're friends with somebody that's long-distance. Whatever the situation is, you have the ability to look somebody in the eye and tell them what you need to say and work your issues out from there. I just don't think that you get anything out of hiding behind text messages because you don't have the ability to fix your issues with the person that you hurt or vice versa. I just don't have respect for that. I don't. Uh, I feel like it's just disingenuous. I think it's used to uh, people's advantage as well because, like, for me, I'm not, I'm not a big taxi guy. I'm not... I rather my I rather get my point across talking to you, where you can hear my voice and you can see where my intentions are. You can't detect you can't dict, uh you can't depict that's what I'm trying to say. you can't depict intentions from somebody's or somebody's motives off of text messages. You can't because all that's words. What it, where's the substance? Where's the actions from your partner? If all you have is text messages, we all can say a million things, but nothing ma- nothing matters if there's no actions attached to it, right? You can't accuse your partner uh, of something through text message if you're not even willing to have a conversation with them on the phone or, like I said earlier, having a face-to-face conversation. How about... that? That's the thing, especially with friends that like to push you away over a text message and don't even have the ability to look in you look at you in the eye and say that you don't want to be friends with them anymore. It's oh let me backpedal and decide behind my text messaging. Oh I'm excited to see you. Oh you let your guard down so I'm gonna push you away and tell you oh I don't want to lead you on. You know I I think text messaging just exposes a lot of people in the fact that they are unwilling or unable or incapable to have real, deep down, real-to-life conversations with the people that supposedly matter in their life, matter in their life, you know? I just think that it's unfortunate. Uh, (laughs) How can you build love for someone, how can you build a connection with anybody in your life, whether it's a friend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever the situation is, how can you build that through text message? Talk. Call somebody. FaceTime somebody. If you have an issue with somebody, if you want to know what their motives is, call them. FaceTime. Look at them in the eye and figure it out for yourself. Let their actions in person tell you what you need to know. Don't go off a fucking text message. If there's a text message that bothers you and you want to have a conversation about it, call that person. Stop hiding behind text messages and stop putting walls up because you can't have a real conversation. Stop backpedaling when things get too real for you. You want better sustained friendships where you know what the friendship is you want to have better relationships and you know you have a hundred percent trust in your partner talk to them look them in the eye talk to them hear them out 
going off of fucking text messages is doing you nothing but damaging yourself because you're putting walls up. You don't have the ability to look yourself in the eye and look your partner or friend in the eye and talk about the issues that's bothering you. You know, having things fester in or, you know, lashing out over a text message is doing you what? I, I, I just don't think texting does anybody any favors. I think it gets you down a bad rabbit hole, especially when you're in a real deep, uh, like, you have a deep connection with your friend or you're in a serious relationship. I just think text messaging is... One of the biggest things that affects the longevity of it. And I feel like a lot of people use that as a defense mechanism because they'd rather put walls up instead of having a real conversation. Text messaging is just the lazy way out of confronting what's bothering you. And you can't get to know somebody through text messaging. You can't you can't understand somebody's intentions towards you. Through text message if you can't even look them in the eye. How are you going to resolve an issue with somebody through a fucking text message? Oh, I promise you, babe. I promise you this. I promise you that. <laughs> Whether you're a guy or a girl. Reading that back to you. Oh, I don't want to lead you on text message. <laughs> That's always the funny ones to be. Like, I don't want to lead you on. Right. <laughs> uh, look... You want to know the real true answer to what's bothering you or whatever situation you're going through? Have a conversation with that person, uh, with that individual in person, on the phone, on FaceTime, in person. You have no excuses. It's on you. It really is. It's on you. If you're if you're relying on text messages to get to the answers that you want out of somebody. You're you're not getting the answers you want. You're trying to convince yourself of something, and I just think that's goofy. I really do. I think it's really stupid. So, on that note, we're gonna put a ribbon on the bow for this week's edition of the Good Brothers Q and A and Wisdom Session. As always, you can send me a question at thehootspodcast at gmail or at Josh Lopez Music on Twitter. Thank you, everybody. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about what happened this week in WWE. Now that I've been in here with Roman one-on-one, I know I can beat him. And more importantly, Roman, you know I can beat you. We're the only ones that truly know because you felt it and I felt it. And man, I know you're never gonna admit it. But I got some proof. Throw the picture up on the Tron. Got evidence. Yeah, yeah, see, zoom in on Roman's eyes. Zoom in on those. Yeah, look at those crossed eyes. Those eyes are the eyes of fear. Those eyes are in deep water, deeper water than they ever have been in before. Now, tilt up. Tilt up to those other eyes. <laughs> yeah, see, those are the lookers. Those are the eyes of a man that knows he now lives inside that other man's head. 
When you can make a man look like that at your hands, you live in his head for life. Roman, last week when you heard my music, the look on your face solidified what I already know. You know, you know deep down that for whatever reason, no matter what the odds justifiably say, no matter what it says on paper, I am the guy who's got your number. I'm gonna beat you. It's just a matter of when. I'm inevitable, and I'm gonna be the universal champion. Big words, an undaunted edge. Confident, focused, the 11th time world champion wants to make it a dozen a week from Sunday at Money in the Bank. I am inevitable, he said. When you make a man have that look on his face, you live in his mind for the rest of his life. I never thought Roman thought about Edge before he laid his head down on the pillow. But maybe he has, and maybe Edge does have the greatest sports entertainer in the history of Ladies and gentlemen, but especially the ladies, oh. my name is Ashanti V. Adonis. And welcome to the Hit Row NXT North American Championship Cypher Celebration. Uh, the one true champ. The one true champ. Swerve, spin it to him. Yo, shout out Swerve City. Yo. Hit Row in the building. Yo. Uh, yo. Yeah, I'm sitting thinking of different words that come to terms as to why my world don't get a fair turn. Ooh. I had to push up my chin and tell him get it again and turn my losing the wins until my nerves were hurt. From the beginning, rap got from birth. Came from the womb, drop, kick the nurse. Get a track, nigga, feature earth. Probably leave this earth, pick up the bad shit the scene and Yeah, I won't stop uh. till the song slow. Even then, overstay my welcome. Come back when the shit like Rondo. Big bags like Costco, hot is like Costco. Rondo. Did you believe you the boss? No, selling your dream to call your life your dog. It's on your wife. You know how much it costs, though. How much it costs, mm -hmm. homie? We go back to the Eighth grade in school watching Beyblade, schoolboy like Sensei. We the top dogs, I let a great me since A. I'm rubbing off like Ben Gay. Sending rappers to the sick bay from 6A. Hey, close red like V Day. That's a present for your B Day. Talk to him. Uh, uh. Chick sassy, she mad at stabbing. Got class like a brass assassin. Lord, do me, give me satisfaction. All top of cause she mad at track. The move to a country about that action. Then do it like we close the gas. Hell back to rabbit. Hey, wait a minute, top dollar for something. Hold on. Yo. Uh. Yo. Uh. Hold on. Uh. You put respect on this name Yo. and listen to what he said. I said I worked too hard to give you haters laughter, so I'm building classics as North American champion. Hey. Ah. Hey. Uh. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
Anyways, other stuff happened on SmackDown. We had um, Big E and Nakamura defeat Apollo Crews and Baron Corbin. Uh, King Corbin's mental breakdown is starting to continue. Um, we had Bianca Belair challenging Bailey to an I Quit match at Money in the Bank. Uh, looking to end that side of the feud. Uh, so, that, that, should be, that should be fun, right? Um, by the way, I love Bianca Belair. I love me some Bianca Belair. I'm all in on EST of WWE. From the ring, her character, the waterfall, all, all of it. She is phenomenal. Shout out to Bianca. Uh, second match uh, for the show was um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the last man standing match uh, to qualify for winning the bank. I got to tell you guys, man, this was probably one of the best WWE last man standing matches I've seen in the last five or six years. Uh, I love the match layout. The fact they were able to pull this off with commercial breaks and stuff like that. I'm really happy for Kevin and Sami to... For them to have a, a bar burner like that on worldwide television. Uh, Kevin Owens did win. Uh, he will qualify for Money in the Bank. We have, I think, two more slots available on SmackDown side. Uh, we'll find out whether Cesaro and Seth Rollins will be joining the field for Money in the Bank. I definitely think Cesaro will beat Seth Rollins. You heard her right here on the Who's Podcast first. Uh, we saw the return of Selena Vega. To WWE, she'll be participating in the women's mind to make ladder match. We kind of have this underlying underdog storyline that's going on right now with Liv Morgan um, and her feeling kind of boo boo and kind of interference about the fact that Carmella and Selena didn't have to qualify or earn their spots in the mind to make ladder match. Um, kind of curious to see where this goes with her and Sonya Deville. I don't know if that brings Sonya back into the ring, but. There seems to be some tension in the way Liv Morgan was talking about it on the bump this week. She is not a happy camper, nor do I blame her. So, <laughs> uh, Liv Morgan should be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And then, of course, I tell you about what happened at the end with Edge and Jimmy Uso. Um, let's talk about Raw. Um, I, I think I'd probably be saying the obvious already that this show um, lacks identity. Uh there's more times than not that I think Raw is better than what Twitter tells you, but uh, I thought this week's show just felt flat from an energy standpoint. There were some decent matches on the show, and I'll point them out in a couple minutes, but um, it's not it's not the announcers, it's not the wrestlers, it's not that this or that. Uh, I, I think the presentation, the look of Raw just doesn't vibe. Um... There's just an overall tone and identity crisis with um, Monday Night Raw that's just not there right now. You know, it's not. So I look at uh, the the show. They have a lot of good wrestlers. But what is the tone of Monday Night Raw? And that's the thing uh, with professional wrestling. I don't care what style of professional wrestling you present, but you need an identity you know, it's one thing to have a wrestling show based on, you know, Ring of Honor indie style wrestling, but there's more there's more components to professional wrestling than just the wrestling part. And 
I think this show just lacks identity and it doesn't help that a show like that is three hours long with no fans. And I, I mentioned it earlier, I just felt like the format of the show was just really on cruise control this week. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say there wasn't good stuff on the show. I mean, uh, John Morrison and Ricochet, they don't disappoint in the ring ever. Uh, John Morrison won via count out. Um, we had... Um, Ali and Mansoor doing their feud. Uh, I really enjoyed the stuff with Drew McIntyre and uh, Jinder Mahal. I liked the match. And also, uh, you know, it looks like they're going to continue the feud. I could have done without Jinder uh, taking away the sword. Uh, I don't know where Drew's coming up with these folk tales and where he's trying to go with that. But uh, I guess his, what, his attempt at being uh, sarcastic and witty is not... Hitting home with people. It's not hitting home with the fans watching this show. Uh, I thought the New Day's uh, backstage interview with Kevin Patrick was pretty good. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Matt Riddle and AJ Styles was a good match. Matt Riddle won thanks to the help from the Viking Raiders. Um, let me talk about this really quick. About Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Because I've seen a lot of people talking about, Oh my god, where's the Rhea Ripley from NXT? And this is where I go back to what I mentioned earlier about people trying to overthink, over fantasy book, over analyze stuff that's going on with the shows. And this is the part where people tell you, oh, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense without actually telling you what part of it doesn't make sense. So we have Charlotte, you know, they're teasing this medical injury update because uh, Rhea Ripley gave her a chop block after their match last week, right? And the context here, and the thing that's been going on since these two started feuding with each other again, is that, one, Charlotte continues to play mind games with Rhea Ripley. And you notice when you have issues with, like, from a competition standpoint, you tend to hate or dislike the people that remind you the most of you. And the story they've been telling is that anything that Charlotte could do, Rhea could do better than her. Rhea is trying to play mind games with Charlotte. Charlotte's trying to pretend that she's one step ahead of Rhea Ripley. That's the story they're telling. It's not really that difficult to comprehend here. So, yes. I, and also, I don't remember Rhea Ripley ever being a tootsie tootsie uh, baby face. Yeah, was she more badass in NXT than she was right now? Sure, but I don't remember Rhea Ripley being this super, super baby face. Maybe I must have been not watching the product, but <laughs> you tell me. I, I do you, Have you ever felt like Rhea Ripley was bona fide babyface? I mean, she is one of those shades of great characters more than anybody. Um, so, like, the, the context of it is that they are trying to outdo each other. They're trying to play mind games with each other. It's the anything you could do, I could do better theory. That's the story they're telling. So don't say it doesn't make sense. It does. You just don't like their angle. <laughs> we could say that without saying, oh, this I don't like this because this doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does make sense. You just don't, you're not entertained by them and that's fine. But I, I, I always get a kick out of that from people on Twitter. Oh my God, this doesn't make sense. Why are they doing this with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte? They're trying to outdo each other. They have a personal beef with each other. You know, Charlotte lives rent-free in Rhea Ripley's head over what happened at WrestleMania last year. 
I mean, it's not really that difficult to understand, folks. <laughs> and then we had the main event. Bobby Lashley and MVP against the New Day. Good match. The New Day won. Uh, continuing to build up Kofi Kingston as we get uh, up to Money in the Bank where Bobby Lashley will face Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. Um, good match. I thought Raw was okay. I didn't think it was horrible, nor did I th thought it was great. If it was me, I'd probably give it like a... I don't know, a 2 out of 5, and that's being generous, uh, but that's just my opinion for Raw this week. Um, here's the current lineup that we have for Money to Bank so far. We have Asuka taking on Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, Carmella, Selena Vega. We have two more ladies from SmackDown to fill. I think those two would probably be Liv Morgan and Sasha Banks. Then on the men's side, we got Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, John Morrison, Matt Riddle, Big E, Kevin Owens, and then I think it'll be Cesaro and probably Nakamura, right? So those will be the two guys in the Money the Big Ladder match. Bianca Belair against Bailey for the I Quit match for SmackDown Women's title. Talked about that earlier. We got Rhea Ripley and Charlotte for the Women's title, obviously. And then the main event, Roman Reigns against Edge for the Universal Championship. I'm looking at this card, folks. <laughs> we got a good one on us. Uh, I, uh, for those who are down there in Fort Worth, Texas, you got to bring the energy, folks. got to bring the heat. Uh, this will be a fun pay-per-view. Uh, this card from top to bottom is really, really good. I got to tell you guys, uh, the, I think the Mets Money in the Bank ladder match is going to be a fucking barber. Not just because it's the Money in the Bank ladder match, but the guys that are in it, like... <laughs> McIntyre, all these guys are bona fide top tier performers, and uh, this match is going to be absolutely insane. So, I I'm really looking forward to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match out of everything on this card so far. But, um, yeah, man, Mo Money Bank is going to be pretty cool. Um, obviously, we got to sit through TV. We got the final SmackDown in the Thunderdome on tomorrow night as I'm recording this on a Thursday and then of course we got Monday Night Raw's final Thunderdome show on Monday as well so uh, I think that show's being taped if I'm not mistaken right that show's being taped so we'll have to see how, how, how that one goes and then uh, we're at this up here for this week with WWE with uh, uh, talk a little bit about NXT we had the Great American Bash on Tuesday Really enjoyed the show. I had a great time breaking it down with uh, Andrew Baydala from the SND Network. If you guys haven't checked out the work, please go check it out. I'm glad to be part of that network and just uh, talk shop with the good brother and um, always have fun. So uh, you can get more extensive thoughts of my opinions on Great American Bash on there. But uh, I, I really enjoyed the MSK match with Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. I thought that was good. Um, the We had to lay out the XC Breakout Tournament. Um, I wasn't too crazy about the Killer Cross, uh, Johnny Gargano segment. Not more on Cross, more on, like, I can't take Johnny Gargano seriously that he's going to beat uh, Carrier Cross. Um, I don't really, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to say that for what the hell is wrong with AEW. I'm, I'm going to say that, okay? Um... The LA Knight match with Cameron Grimes was really good. I actually preferred this match more than the uh, ladder match at In Your House. That's just me. I thought this was a really good wrestling-based match with character work in there. And LA Knight is really good at what he does. So I was not surprised that he retained. Um, 
I mentioned it on the review that I loved this, the, the hit row cipher. I just thought that was badass. Shout out to the whole crew. I thought that was really cool and something out of the box. And I thought all four of them uh, killed it. So shout out to hit row. And then um, we had the NXT Women's Tag Team title match. We had a title change on the show thanks to the return of Tegan Knox. So Io Shirai and Zoe Sark are your brand new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. So uh a little eventful there. You get one house change on the show. And then we had Anna Cole and Kyle O'Reilly in the main event. Uh, these two never have a bad match. Uh, I always think when they have a match that you've seen a gazillion times from different promotions over the years, uh, you know, from a transcription standpoint, it's hard for me to pinpoint what match is better than from the other. And I always like to rely on the crowd reaction and the crowd investment as far as uh, whether it's good or not. Um, the crowd at the uh, CWC was lit and they seemed invested and I thought they really helped out this match a lot and Anna Cole did defeat Kyle O'Reilly. I don't think they're done yet. I think they finished their issues at the TakeOver SummerSlam. Uh, that'd be my prediction, if you will. And then last thing here for this week in WWE, a little preview for ACUK as we recorded this on a Thursday Make sure to check it out. We got Eddie Dennis against Trent Seven, a rematch from one of the NXT UK takeovers, one of the most underrated NXT UK matches in history. I love Eddie Dennis. Shout out to my guy, Jonathan Hood. Uh, he's a big fan of Eddie Dennis and the selling machine. <laughs> Nobody fights better from underneath than Trent Seven. That's for sure, pal. <laughs> Uh, so it'll be Trent Seven against uh, Eddie Dennis uh, on NXT UK this week. Also on the program, we got Kenny Williams against Nathan Frazier. And we get to see the in-ring debut of the beautiful Blair Davenport. God, that woman is beautiful. But yes, B Priestley is making her NXT UK debut on TV this week. Go check it out. NCUK is the best show that WWE produces week in and week out. And this has been your report on This Week in WWE. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to give the people what they want, right? The main event of the evening or the week, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to give the people what they want. The most controversial segment in wrestling podcasting, according to the good brother referee Tony S. I want to thank him for coming on the pod last week. He did a fantastic job. But, folks, we're going to travel down a path of mud show wrestling. And there's nothing else that needs to be said. But it's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. We're going to start this off in a 3, 2, 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Boy, oh boy, I don't even know where to start this week. <laughs> uh, let me just let me get this good stuff out of the way. And I'm gonna proceed this with caution for everybody. Uh, the title of the podcast, you see it, that <laughs> may cause road rage. <laughs> it, it's a little science and road rager here. And there was a couple matches I thought they were decent. 
Believe it or not, folks, I enjoyed the Cody Rhodes uh, Doug Heffernan strap match. Uh, I thought I thought it was really good. I, I like the spot where Cody was hulking up. I thought that was pretty good. And I also liked some aspects of the Matt Seidel and Andrade match. No, actually, I let me rephrase it. I actually liked some aspects of the six man tag with. Uh, the Pinnacle, and the Dinner Circle. But, let's start off with this. I got to call off Bluff when I see it. And, uh, <laughs> I am so tired of the, the stick of Kenny Olivier being the world's greatest wrestling artist. The, the greatest wrestler in the world today. You know, Kenny Omega is a great example of having hysteria around you yet when you see the product on screen you just shrug your shoulders and this is it this is it this is the guy you put on the pedestal when you hear him cut promos this is the this is the best professional wrestler in the world his promos where he sounds like he's singing his promos instead of talking like a human being his odd-looking facial expressions. His, uh... <laughs> what does Cornette call him? Harpo McFinger? Fuck. <laughs> his hand gestures. All that stuff. It's like... I can't take him seriously. And I'm running into that issue too many times with watching AEW. I don't enjoy... And I can't take some of these guys seriously. It's like... One thing out after another, but let's go back to the positive stuff. We saw the reveal of Malachi Black. Alistair Black is not AW. I enjoyed it. You guys want to get my thoughts on it? I enjoyed it. I like the layout. Uh, him doing two black masses. Um, they sure hope that they don't have Jeff Jarrett beat uh, Malachi Black because that's not going to be a good look. I'm just going to throw that out there, but. I thought he looked good, and I'm happy to see him. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter what promotion that Malachi went to. He's that good a performer, so his work is going to stand out for what that is. So, um, you know, he's an AW, and I hope it works out for him. I really do. I hope it works out for him. And then let's, let's, let's get back to this Olivia shit. So we have another promo off with... Don Callis and Kenny Olivier and Pizzerita Uno. This all leads to Hangman Page finally gracing us with his presence. It looks like we're going to have Hangman Page against Kenny Olivier at All Out. I certainly hope that Hangman Page gets his moment in Chicago that he didn't get two years ago. But, you know, I, I'm so tired of Kenny Omega. I'm so tired of Don Callis. The Goof Brothers. And no, this is not about him being a good heel. I just don't want to see him on my TV, guys. I'm sorry. He does absolutely nothing for me. He sucks on the mic. He's highly, highly overrated in the ring. And, you know, you could do... you could. Here's the thing. Like, <laughs> if some people are getting butthurt when I say this, so this may cause a road rage. But for the same people that go out of their way to nitpick and try to... Uh, Expose and try to break down what Karrion Cross does in NXT from a performance standpoint. I can do the same thing 
with Kenny Olivier. Because if you remove the Dave Seltzer and Brian Alvarez hysteria and narrative about him, you strip away Don Callis, you strip away the elites, you strip away those stupid-ass V-triggers he does, he's just a generic indie wrestler out of everybody in that crew on that entire roster. You know, we can talk about the bells and whistles with Karrion uh, Cross and him having Scarlett Bordeaux, but remove the, the stupid introduction that Justin Robert gives him, the, 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 the theme music. Like, I could do the same thing too. So it, it, it's, it's the double standard stuff that I still... It, it, that, that's the stuff that grinds my gears about this promotion. And honestly... You know, I, I've had people ask me, you know, Josh, you do the same, what the hell is wrong with AEW? Why, don't, why are you not a fan of their product? I mean, you know, AEW is good for wrestling. Yes, I do believe AEW is good for wrestling. AEW is good for the boys. But also, I'm not going to sit here and kiss their ass just because they're a new wrestling company. And, oh, I'm not getting what I want from WWE. If you really look at the identity of AEW and their fan base... They get every pass in the book because it's not the WWE. And that spectrum of the fan base, that niche audience that doesn't represent the entire wrestling landscape, they're butthurt because they don't get everything they want from WWE. Hey, folks, I don't get everything that I want from the WWE. But here's the thing. When I'm watching a wrestling show from a different promotion, I'm not thinking about the WWE. But that's... That's impossible for people who mark out for this show week in and week out. They live WWE lives referee not only in their in the fan base but in the promotion too. Look, I love Britt Baker. She cuts a good a great promo. She is fantastic. But what the fuck does Saudi Arabia have to do with a match with her and Nyla Rose? A match with two heels. One, who the fuck am I supposed to cheer for? And two, what does Saudi Arabia have to do with a match for a woman's title? I mean, I watched this show and I continue to be selling a bill of goods that we're supposed to have this sports-based wrestling promotion. We're going to have this promotion that's not worried about uh, other promotions, but what we do. This promotion that's going to change the game and not do the same things that WCW and Impact did. Yet, here comes every single release performer from the WWE and drop them into the mid-card and it's... <laughs> I, not, I don't want to really repeat a lot of stuff I mentioned here on the show, but, you know, the same thing stuff happens time in and time out. So, we have MJF and Chris Jericho's stipulations. It's called the labor of Jericho. We had a Nimrod run into the ring and get popped by Jericho. I thought that was funny. Um, I thought Jericho had a good line about banging uh, MJF's mom again. I thought that was good. Uh, but... You know, for me, I, I was trying to, I really was trying to get into this because, you know, they're going to have their blow-off match, right, at All Out. And this is going to be the last time we'll see MJF and Chris Jericho for a while. But it's like I've seen every segment that can be in with MJF and Chris Jericho, and I'm like, what else can you do but the kitchen sink? We've seen it at Tom Hall. We saw the dinner double shit. We've seen debates. Uh, We've seen... Everything under the sun when it comes to a talking segment between these two guys. And it's like, we got to dry this out. So Jericho's going to rub through the pinnacle again. And then he's going to lose to MGF. 
uh, I, I guess <laughs> I wanted to be entertained by it. I, you guys know me. MJF is my favorite part of this show besides uh, Penelope Ford, you know. You know, MJF is my favorite thing in AEW besides Penelope Ford. But, like, I couldn't get into this, guys. I really couldn't. And, you know, just because Malachi Black shows up on AEW or one good segment does not represent, you know, 80, 80, 80% of the other, uh, the other 80% percent of the show where I couldn't give two shits about. For example, I'm sorry guys, I think Andrade is highly overrated in the ring. I really do. He does some good moves, uh, you know, as far as like his presentation is concerned, I, I like the stuff with the black mask and kind of like the LIJ symbolism behind it, the whole Trent Kill stuff, I thought that was cool. And he kind of had like a reverse Naito uh, suit uh, rip-off suit thing, you know, and, uh, I thought that was cool and all, but, like, him working with Vicky Guerrero, and him having a competitive match with Matt Seidel, and here's the funny thing, like, we had this whole post about QT Marshall being 19-3, and and Matt Seidel being ranked number five in the power rankings for AEW, and I'm, I'm sitting back, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, this is a fucking work, <laughs> You mean to tell me that Matt Seidel is ranked number five over a bunch of fucking squash matches on Dark and Elevation? I can talk shit about it because I'm the one covering these matches. <laughs> you know, some people would be flabbergasted. Oh, wow. Orange Cassidy is ranked number two, I think, or three in the rankings. Yeah, because he's being a bunch of scrubs. The rankings have no merit to it. There's no constituting on the quality of and the people who they beat. Yeah, I could beat up on Baron Black and Ryzen and Fuego Del Sol to the cows go home. That doesn't mean I'm worthy enough to fight for the world championship. That's the that's the stuff that <laughs> nobody chooses to acknowledge because. You know, AEW's Teflon. Nobody, they do no wrong. They they do absolutely no wrong. Hence the point of this segment, right? So, uh, let's see which which part of the fan base I pissed off today. I, I said that, you know, you know you could po uh, poke holes at Kenny Olivia the same way you guys poke holes at Karrion Cross. I mentioned that I think I'm, I'm trying to, to a certain extent, is overrated in the ring. Uh, their power rankings are full of shit. Um, I still think Orange Cassidy is still meaningless in my opinion. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to cause road, road, road rage and, you know, I want our people driving to be safe and stuff like that. But, you know, your good brother's got to call a spade a spade here. You guys heard me earlier. I said I did not like Raw this week, so you can't just pay me as the WWE guy. I, nothing on the show resembles it being elite to me. You know, two matches and Alistair Black popping up does not mean that this was an amazing show. This was top-tier content. You want my thoughts on the main event? I thought it fucking sucked. <laughs> I thought it, some a lot of stupid spots and a lot of the same things we've seen over and over again where people... That's the thing. I think it was it's like the third time that the Bucks and uh, Penta and Kingston have fought each other in the ring over the last month or so. Yet, these are the same people who are like, 
oh my god, I can't believe they're doing, um, let's see, I can't believe they're doing John Morrison and Ricochet three weeks in a row. Hypocrites, stop with the double standards, yo. And then look at this, you have stupid outlaw mud show referee Rick Knox, yo. <laughs> of course, he gets laid out during the match. And we have to bring in thug tags and do stupid gimmick spots with Brandon Cutler and have 50 gazillion people run into the ring because we can't have one fucking main event with AW without jamming six other fucking things into the one main event that's going on in the show. Every week it's the same shit. Oh, we have an afterbirth after a match. Oh, we have. Six or seven people running into the ring during the main event. We have gang warfare going on. I'll give you credit, AW. You're very consistent with that. You're consistent with having people run into the ring and matches that have absolutely nothing to do with them. So out comes Frankie Kazarian. Here's Brandon Cutlick. Here's the Goof Brothers. It's the same shit over and over and over again with the Elite and the Young Bucks. And I'm so tired of it. And Don Cal's doing commentary with passive-aggressive-ass Excalibur and Skiabone and JR. By the way, I want to give a big shout to JR. I thought he did a really good job this week on Dynamite. I just want to give a shout to JR. See, there's a little positives there, but... Again, I keep finding myself in the same position as I get myself every single week. And I ask myself, why do I do this to myself? And it's like, <laughs> I, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment, you know. And this is my job now. And this is stuff that's part of the industry that I have to cover. But I don't enjoy this show. You know, there's a couple things on it that I did like. But I did not think Road Rage was a great show. And I'm sorry, Aleister Black popping up at AW for one moment for what, 15 or 20 seconds, doesn't make me feel like, oh, this is an amazing show from top to bottom. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm not going to apologize. No, uh, this is my show. <laughs> Speaking for me. Uh, if you're personally offended by that, that's on you. Uh, so on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. And this has been this week's edition of What the Hell's Wrong with AEW. This has been What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad that What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W allows me to get out the energy I need as if I, if I was going to therapy. Um... <laughs> All right, folks, I wanted to say thank you for hanging out with me today uh, for another fun edition of the Who's Podcast. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast right now so you never miss an episode. Make sure to like this video and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Uh, same thing applies there. Make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. I'm at Twitter at the, um, I, I, I want to say the Who's Podcast, but it's at Josh Lopez Media. You follow me on Instagram at JoshyLopez94 at JoshLopezMusic. Also, hit me up as well at the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for us or if you want to send questions for the Good Brothers Q&A session. I want to say this last thing as I say with every single podcast that I do, be the authentic product that is yourself and remember nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself. I love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back here next week to preview 
the world of WWE and give you some predictions for Money in the Bank, ladies and gentlemen. Fans are right around the corner for the world of WWE, so uh, some exciting times ahead. I'm Joshi. Have a wonderful weekend, guys. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next week. This has been episode 265 of the Hoops Podcast. Uh, yes, sir.